Welcome, everybody, to the Figured Out Podcast. I am your host, Mark Tomlinick. <laughs> Alongside me is my co-host. Now nah, I'm just playing, but I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to fuck shit up. Let's roll. I love it. Yes. All right. <laughs> well, you know who our guest is now. Um, <laughs> my coach. bitch. <laughs> I know, right? Surprise. Um, my coach, Ash's coach, uh, Mark. Um, so we're super excited to have him on today and to talk about some juicy stuff. So understanding PEDs. Um, but first we want to like, it's for those of you that don't know who Mark is. Um, you've been living under a rock. <laughs> yeah. If you've been living under a rock, you might not know who he is, but you know, he's basically our life. So like, <laughs> thanks guys. That's so sweet of you. Yo, no, it's no, it's interesting. Cause like with coaches, like I always wonder if my athletes think of me the way, like I think of you not in a weird way, but like, you know, you're kind of always having your coach in mind. You're like, Oh, my coach wouldn't like that. Or like, I'm following this protocol. My coach gave me this. It's like, yeah. you're such a big part of our life. And when I have my, my athletes, I'm like, I wonder if they think of me in the same vein, like, because it's like, my coach is like an entity of me in a way, you know? Yeah. You know, right. I didn't realize how big my impact was so early on in my career. Um, and then I, I started to realize lately, it's like even things that I say or even what I don't say to my athletes, like has this crazy impact on them. And, you know, I didn't realize how much I'm on the minds of my athletes or how much of, of a, a bar that I set or even um, how much of, of a, a guidance I am or a measure to people. It, it's, it's mind blowing to me, actually. It still surprises me that people put me in that light or hold me to that standard. And sometimes it's a big standard to meet. And I, that's a that's a big set of shoes to fill sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah I was actually uh, talking to Eric the other day and we were just talking about like following protocol or whatever. And he's like, you know, you could just not. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you don't have to do what Mark says. And I was like, <laughs> that's not an option. Like I literally, it was like a four or four error, like across my mind. I was like, what, what is like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Like, no, like what he says goes like, if I'm fucking something up, like he'll tell me. So it's like, you just, you just execute and just do what you are told. Yeah. But that's a testament to your commitment, you know, not my power, you know? And uh, that's, that's a testament to the standard you hold yourself to because of the culture we have here, like you joined here because you wanted to be a part of something that, that took you to the higher level, right. That took yeah. you to the next level. And that's, that's how I am. And that's how I think is like, if I'm going to join something, I want it to force me to reach. I don't want it to be easily achievable because then it's not fun for me. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Mark, like we want to know a little bit about you, um, oh, where you're from, how'd you start coaching, getting into competing, mm. uh, make a long story short. And um, how Tominic trained an MT2 lifestyle came to be. Wow. Well, okay. Um, obviously, I, I'm from Avon Lake, uh, Ohio, which is 20 minutes west of Cleveland. Not a very exciting area, but honestly, very nice, very safe. It's, you know, your typical suburban town. Um, I grew up under, actually under, <laughs> uh, I grew up with parents, uh, my dad, Mark, and my, my mom, Linda. Um, my dad, when I grew up, was already a bodybuilder. Um, he started competition bodies in 1986. I was born in 1990. So like when I was born, I was submersed into this bodybuilding lifestyle, this culture where when I walked into the gym, it was uh, not a bunch of, you know, just gen pop people. We're talking ragtag, hardcore dudes. The stories I heard growing up matured me in ways that was so, so bad. 
so fast. Uh, and I, I learned things from a very young age. Uh, but what I also learned uh, from that that place is work ethic and watching my dad. I, was, I learned, I was like, wow, like these motherfuckers work. Can I swear on this podcast? Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, right. I think pretty sure I already <laughs> said fuck once. Okay. So you're good. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, growing up in that environment, uh, surrounded by bodybuilding, um, immersed in the lifestyle, watching my dad eat, train, sleep, pose. I mean, I remember three years old standing. Um, I was, let's say, you know, if he was a clock, I was standing to his 10 o'clock, watching him at a powerlifting meet uh, when I was three. And I, I remember vividly. Like, I remember these things. And I remember watching him pose. I remember him being on stage, you know. So I was already encouraged to kind of fall into this lifestyle. But I didn't fall into it until I didn't start competing myself until after I was done with college because I wrestled and I played rugby um, Notre Dame College. And that was my primary focus. You know, I trained for performance. I trained for strength and power. And so, you know, I always, I always had a lifting background because I started lifting when I was 10 years old. My dad would take me to the gym, you know, hit the weights a little bit. You know, it was, it was a good time. Uh, but he taught me from a really young age how to train properly according to what the knowledge was then in the 90s, you know, or in the, I would say 2000, whatever. Um, as far as like my bodybuilding career, you know, again, that didn't take off till after college. I actually, when I got done with wrestling, I was like, I never want to do a sport again where I have to cut weight. Well, you're the fuck I am, right? <laughs> cut, cutting weight. You can't <laughs> run away from what you know. I can. And, then, <laughs> and that's all I know. So when I, when I stopped wrestling, I was like, I don't want to do, you know, bodybuilding because you have to cut weight and I don't want to cut all that weight. And do it. But here I am. So <clears throat> is, but as far as coaching that started way, 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 way before I even started competing. My first show was in 2014, Julie Palmer. Um, yeah, IFBB Pro already called all kick the shit out of me on stage. Did you coach yourself? I did. I coached myself for the first few shows. I won my class. I won my novice overall, you know, my first show. And then second uh, second show, I think I took uh, third, third or fourth. I coached myself there too. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time coaching myself and kind of building myself up. But at the same time, like I was coaching other people and they were just friends and family, like really close people, people I went to college with, you know, um, and I had instances where I co coached my uh, childhood friend from 260 pounds to 180 pounds for the military. Um, you know, family members, my cousin brought him down from 230 to 190. You know, he was in the best shape of his life. So I started doing things that way and asking people, hey, can I coach you? Hey, can I help? Hey, let me do your workouts for you. I'll, hey, let me do your diet. And that's how I kind of started my shit. But like, honestly, my coaching goes well before 2013 when I put my first person on stage. Um, I was personal training, who is now my current training partner, Andrew Weed. I was personal training him when I was in high school. Like I was taking him and his friends through workouts and teaching them, you know, just how to train properly according to what I knew then. Um, and, you know, we joked around then about T2 or TX2. And so when I was in college and high school, I wrote up these workout programs and called it TX2 and I'd sell them for like 10 bucks. And T times two is supposed to be Tominic Train. Well, after TX2 kind of phased out, you know, Tominic Train was kind of birthed out of that. But I, and I was just talking about this on my podcast today. My coaching really, I mean, this is my first full-time year of coaching. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that sounds, sounds wild because of where I'm at, you know, with, with what we're doing here and, and the winning that's been happening and the size of the roster. But, you know, if I look at it like 2000, the end of 2018, when uh, Yasmin signed on, and y'all know Nate Yasmin. Yeah. She signed on. I had like, I don't know, eight to 10 athletes, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe. And then middle of 2019, 
Um, I start coaching a little bit more, building up my roster. I was like, you know, what? I'll open it up to people that aren't my friends and family. You know, once he has been signed, I was like, let's do this thing. Let's see what I can do. Middle of 2019, I think it was July of 2019, maybe have like 30 people, I think. Um, and during that year of 2019, we have Keeley that signed on in February, takes second at North Americans that year. Yasmin wins her pro card. So we had some success. But the following year, 2020, kind of I was robbed of my coaching career because we couldn't put anybody on stage. You know, we had some we had some top tens on a national stage. We had top fives and some placings, you know, but ultimately I got robbed a lot of training experience and I decided to retire from teaching August 2020. And now I'm here. This is like my first real year, a real shot at becoming a bodybuilding coach full time and doing this damn thing. And like Tony said today, Stephen had to check the numbers on our growth and the growth was so much he had to double check the fucking numbers because yeah. it's so ridiculous. Like, but it's testament to what we're doing here and we're, we're helping people we're, 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 we're winning and we're helping people, you know? And so that's kind of like my coaching story in a nutshell, in a nutshell, I guess. Well, and like you're expanding, not just from like with the expansion of MT2 lifestyle and like being inclusive towards, you know, the people that want to be on Dominic trains, but might not be interested in coaching, like, or mm -hmm. um, in competing that changes the game because like you're opening up a whole new avenue of inclusivity um, for people that just want to be a part of something. Um, and they're not having to be exclusive towards competing to be able to be a part of something that makes them better. Um, so that's another thing that's really great about like your team, our team is that like, it's so inclusive, like towards yeah. all of those areas and it's intentional. It's not just saying, well, you could be a lifestyle athlete. You can come on if you want. It's like, no, we have a place for you. Mm -hmm. and we have coaches for you. Yeah, um, that was the, one of the biggest mistakes I saw bigger coaches ahead of me make and I, i've seen you know i've been paying attention really watchful eye over coaches that are ahead of me so to speak in the game that have been there longer I, I think some too many coaches made the directional change of like i'm only coaching competitors and it left a lot of people on the back burner and felt a feeling of alienation and to me like that wasn't okay so like and i can't relate to lifestyle people because i'm so into what i do and i'm so in love with what i do i can't really relate too much um, so why not hire the people that can relate to those people? You know, why not hire people that can represent people I can't, you know, or care for people that I don't have the, the capacity to do so. You know, it's, it's like hiring Haley, you know, she's an entirely different person than me. You know, mm -hmm. she's the sweetest person I know. Like, I'm not the sweetest person. I know. I'm an asshole. Like, so, <laughs> so, you know, I want to hire somebody that, that literally encompasses something that I don't, I hire people that do the things that I can't do. You know, now I'm at the point where I need someone that can do what I do. And so we're going to bring on the next coach, yeah. you know, and I need him to be, he is literally going to be a copy of me. Mm -hmm. Oh, preliminary there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so let's get into this uh, PED discussion. Um, so let's talk about like why people use PEDs. Why do they even get, why do their minds even go there? Um, or why does your mind go there, Mark? When you give, when you assign a protocol, when you use, uh, when you're using PEDs for your athletes? For me, it's, it's easy to answer and say, I want to speed up the results, but that's not necessarily what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get your body to express potential success, right? I, I'm trying to, um, help you to be able to work harder, not do the work for you, but work harder. Um, so when I look at people that, you know, I, I go, Hey, I, I want to talk about PEDs. I, or they bring it up to me. 
what are we actually looking for? We're looking for the capacity to work harder and longer and recover faster, bottom line. And so that's that's really the, the reason why we use drugs. I don't want to assign drugs for cosmetic reasons or egotistical reasons or because, you know, it feels good. Like, of course it feels good. That's why people get addicted to things. What I'm trying to do is I want you to be able to recover faster so you can progress and get to your goal that we want to get to because we know others are using. And unfortunately, it's like, well, if they are, we kind of have to. Mm -hmm. That's the reality of it. Yeah. So like when um, when people who who should use them. So like I know uh, coaches that just say like no to lifestyle athletes, like no, no lifestyle athletes should ever be using PEDs, only competition athletes. Okay. So when you think of somebody who should, who would get the most out of that use of PEDs, where would your mind go there? Yeah, I think I agree with the statement that lifestyle competitors should not use PEDs to a certain degree. Um, However, I know that there's people that's going to no matter what, so I'd rather use it under me so I can guide you safely and appropriately. Um, So if you're going to use, you know, I'd rather guide you than just say, hey, no, absolutely not. And then you go somewhere, uh, somewhere else and the person doesn't have the knowledge. So Anybody can use PEDs, but preferably I want to see only bodybuilding or competitive athletes use PEDs and specifically not any competitor because there's some competitors, A, that don't need them genetically for their division uh, or B, you know, there's some competitors that don't have the maturity to handle them or, or C, there's people that have addictive personalities that should not use them because they're going to take too much and they're irresponsible. Um, And also I don't believe that people that are not adherent to the protocol should not take them. If you have not, or you have messed up once in your six to eight months of being with me, I don't think you should use PEDs because then you're not maximizing our efforts. You're not milking all the progress you can out of our current programming. If you can't stick to the diet, can't stick to training, you can't sleep, you can't manage stress, you can't do all these things. We shouldn't be using PEDs or considering them. So Really, it comes down to who should use PEDs. The people that want to achieve great success that are very consistent. That can be summarized. That's a good, a good formal definition. And on that same note, like what are some health factors that you kind of like to make sure are in line before even starting a cycle? Like what's your criteria for starting PEDs in your athletes when it comes to health? Yeah, besides the consistency piece. Um, like again, checking if they're checking all the boxes on a daily basis, not just Monday through Friday or, or, you know, you know, one is, is mental health. You know, I think that's a huge one because are we going to get some degree of neurological expression from these drugs? Yes. Some of them. Absolutely. And so I think there needs to be mental health and stability in order. Um, I think that obviously blood work, uh, just a general panel looking at lipids, um, looking at where hormones are at from baseline, you know, making sure kidneys, livers, uh, you know, is all healthy. Um, looking at the thyroid, again, understanding the physiology a little bit better, making sure we're not experiencing estrogen dominance, so on and so forth, right? So there is a, there is a, there is a facet of health to this, a baseline health. Um, but also I would say people that use PEDs should also be sleeping and, and stress-free to the, to the most part, you know, to, the, to some degree. 
because a lot of those things are going to impact health, right? If we don't have stress under control, we don't have sleep under control, we're not going to get the most out of these drugs and we can end up exacerbating potential health issues, especially if there's a genetic predisposition to some of these drugs, right? And, or health issues that these drugs could impact. So a lot of it comes down to, you know, the person knowing that person, knowing their blood work, knowing how they respond to higher androgens too. You know, once you've applied something um, at a minimum effective dosage, how did that person respond? You know, is this a suitable client or, or patient for PED usage? That's something you have to consider because some people, the side effects are just too much and they don't want to deal with them, right? So I guess there's a lot of health considerations to make there, not just physical, but mental. And then, you know, also, are they willing to, to spend the money on blood work to be consistent? Um, also, are they willing to spend the money on health supplements on a consistent basis? Because the expensive thing is not the drugs. The expensive thing is the health supplements that go with it. You mean I got to take all those fucking pills? Yeah, you got to take all those fucking pills. Like that is what's necessary in order, you know, to be successful um, and be healthy doing the drugs because longevity is the, you know, that's the priority here. Nobody wants to be a great bodybuilder for two years. You know, if you want to be a great bodybuilder, you're, you're, it's going to take a decade or more. Yeah. And so you can't just be great for two years because that's what you see happen, right? A lot of these people start the PEDs and they win their pro card. They never compete again, or they get, you know, top five national stage. They never compete again. And you know, that you're thinking of people because you've seen them and they just burn out, burn out because they're not ready or smart enough or healthy enough to really take on PEDs or their coaches were not. I mean, in their mental health too, like you have to think of that mental aspect of like when you're going so hard for a national show or going so hard for a pro for a pro card and you can't have that longevity because of that mental health aspect of like, you know, you might get burnt out super quickly because you're not following the protocol that that helps you to be a better athlete at the end of the day. Um, and so I think that that's super important to to realize. And then also like, I love the point. I love telling this to people when, when they talk about, uh, drugs and they're not synonymously talking about all the other health supplements that are supposed to go with it, because it's something that should be paired together. Um, I think like I, I was, I was talking to a friend about like some of the unfortunate things that have been happening in bodybuilding lately. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, this person has commented on like how, how many supplements like I take. And I, I told them, I said, look, like, you know why I take so many damn supplements? I take like 25 pills a day. Um, Is that all? (laughs) Plus everything else. And, and it's, it's important for me to do those things. Like my coach wouldn't, would not have me on gear if I weren't, purchasing all of those health supplements daily and, and, or purchasing them and taking them daily, he would not put me in that position. He would never do that. He'd be like, well, you can't afford your health supplements. You're not, I'm not putting you on anything. Right on. You know? Yeah. Well, the problem is people are too addicted to the results aspect of bodybuilding and not enough the process. And so they're just wanting to look a certain way as quickly as possible, which is why they fizzle out in one to two years, because they don't actually love bodybuilding. They just like being lean and being muscular. And that's a big difference. 
versus like actually falling in love with the sport, following in love with training, following in love with eating your meals. Like you, there needs to be a certain level of love and passion for the sport and the respect of the sport itself, not just competing because bodybuilding isn't just competing. It's like the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are results driven, not process driven. Um, again, like you said, you have to love that process. You don't love that process, man. You're, you're going to burn out quick or you're going to do something that's, we're going to risk, you know, everything that you're working for. You have to be happy to do the work too. Like you, and that's part of like love, right. Is being elated to do the work and being elated to do things. Like I had, uh, a past friend of mine tell me like, I don't know why you like this stuff. It's like, it's like you want more work. It's like, you're doing more work. And it's like, well, if you think about like, for example, people that have a very high spiritual relationship with God, like they're elated to go to church. Like they're elated and happy to be with God because they, they love him. Like, and they love Jesus. Like, and it's the same thing, like how I feel about bodybuilding and Jesus, but bodybuilding, but like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, I'm elated to go do all that. Like I am happy to go train. I am happy to, to buy those supplements, happy to check in with my coach every day. Um, and so, yeah, that love, like definitely has to, has to be there for you to be successful. Um, and it's not just the drugs that do that. So, yep. Yeah, yes. fact, I, was oh, go ahead. To, I was talking to Jocelyn and because there's sometimes where I get like incredibly depressed, like, and we're just trying to figure out like, what, what causes that? Like, you know, what is the trigger of that? And what I found was, or what we found was I'm absolutely in love with adversity. Like I love struggling. It's something that's a sickness. It's, uh, I don't know, but bodybuilding brings that right. There's not a lot of times in bodybuilding where you're not quote unquote miserable or struggling, right? You know, either starving because you're in contest prep or you're overfed and you're not hungry at all and you're force feeding in off season. And there's like a two to three month window where you're kind of just in the middle of those two. And and it's funny because like, I love bodybuilding. I love being super busy and swamped at work to where I can't even keep up. Like it's just, it's for me, I just love that struggle. I love, and bodybuilding brings that struggle, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's uh voluntary, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You're always kind of, you're always put, thinking about something. Um, something's always there for you to kind of dig into. It's constant. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as basic pharmacology, um, let's talk about how, how test really works in the body. Um, and how, like, what are the, some of the mechanisms of it? So if we're just talking about how steroids in general work, cause they're all testosterone derivatives, right? You have an injection and you have androgen sites, a receptor sites all over the body. Now, uh, a lot of people use the term like a lock and key mechanism. It's actually like a tethering mechanism um, where you have the, the receptor and the drug. And as long as that receptor is cleared, right, it will tether itself almost like magnetically and then express itself, you know, through genetic expressions. Now, how that expresses itself depends on the drug because you have these like basically three families of the drugs. You have DHT, testosterone derivatives, and, and 19 norms. You know, this is where you start to get into, well, how does it express itself in neurological tissues, peripheral tissues, you know, and then what, you know, what's the cascade? You know, what are we trying to get out of the drug? And so that's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to go into there. Um, you tell me how far you want to go. If you want to, we can break down the families. We could break down how they express themselves. And no, let's do it. Let's 
go, let's break down the families for sure. Cause I, I definitely want there to be a better understanding of how these compounds work than just like, Oh, they increase your muscle mass. Like, okay, well, yeah. no shit. How? Yeah. So how? like, yeah. Like beginner versus advanced, like all the families that we're talking like, yeah, all of that. So. Okay. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's like, we take steroids to build muscle. It's incredibly naive. You know what I mean? But like, there's people out there that think that And here there's actually different compounds that express themselves differently in tissues. Right. And again, three families, right. We'll start with a DHT column where you have, you know, let's, let's list off your basic compounds there. Um, you have things like Winstrel, right. Anivar, Primavolin, right. Um, Mastron, like all are DHTs and do not aromatize or they're very little aromatization, meaning there's no, you know, very limited or no conversion to estrogen because in order to get estrogen, right, you have to have the conversion from testosterone, which is aromatization. In these, you know, again, which drug you choose for this column is based on what's your intent with the drug. Um, for example, let's say uh, Winstrel. Right. We know it doesn't uh, aromatize at all. Um, so there's very little to no water retention with Winstrel. So this is why people use it in a contest prep to get a like leaner, harder look, even though that's not really causing it. It just causes uh, maybe a drier look, so to speak. Um, and it doesn't aromatize. So you're not going to get any water, you know, holding, you know, uh, extracellularly. Um, or maybe you want something like Anivar right? Where Anivar uh, will increase nitrogen glycogen retention. Same with Winstrol. So you do have that peripheral tissue effect now where you look bigger, right? You look fuller. And that's why you might use that at the end of a con contest prep. You know, with any of these drugs in the DHT column, you have power output increase, endurance increases, decreased water retention. Um, some of these may lower prolactin, increase sex hormone binding globulin, or sorry, decrease sex hormone binding globulin. So you have increased free test in the body, right? Um, you know, they, they are considered to be female friendly, quote unquote, you know, uh, the neurology of these drugs, you know, your libido is going to increase a little bit, maybe a lot of it <laughs> depends on how it expresses in you. Um, you can have faster and better reaction times. So and neurologically you may for like someone that's like a chess champion. If you want to talk about PED usage in chess champions, which we can, that I would choose a DHT right? <clears throat> Along with maybe a couple other things that express themselves neurologically. You may have some slight aggression increases. So again, you know, choosing these drugs, which one do you want? Winstrol, Mastron, Anivar, Proviron, Primo, you know, what do you want? You know, what drug does what? Again, you have to choose, you know, it's not just, hey, this, this builds muscle. Um, with testosterone derivatives, you know, you have Equipoise um, or EQ, right? Um, Anadrol, Dianable, right? All testosterone derivatives. Um, here's a little bit different because, you know, these are more performance compounds driven, especially like EQ, when you have endurance increase, red blood cell count increases, um, which is pretty awesome because you're going to get more oxygen uptake, right? So you have more power output and more strength increase. Um, so for me, you know, someone that's maybe like a long distance runner, I might give them EQ. Or you're going to go bike the Tour de France, uh, might use EQ, right? Bigger, you know, more red blood cells, you uptake oxygen better. <clears throat> you may see increased appetite with EQ, you know, 
For some of these drugs like Diebel, you may have a little bit more water retention, which water retention can actually serve a purpose when it comes to power output and strength output. You know, why it might be better for power lifters to have that water retention. Um, you know, there is a degree of liver toxicity to drugs like Anadrol and, and Dianabol, right? Um, Anadrol is one of those compounds that increases power output too. Um, so we, but the problem is if you have high hematocrit levels, high red blood cell count, it might not be great for you, you know, cause it's going to increase it even further. You know, neurologically, we could see more of a positive mindset actually with these drugs. Um, you know, I, I, again, I think they're more athlete specific, not saying that, you know, DHTs aren't, but this probably has better impacts for a lot of athletes, right? Um, you know, just a better all state of mind with some of these testosterone derivatives. And then you have the 19 NORs, um, <laughs> you know, Trend and, and, and MPP and DECA, right? And, uh, or, or Trust Alone. Uh, you have some, you know, pretty freaky exotics there in the 19 NOR column you know, these drugs are highly controversial to some degree in some people, um, but they do serve a purpose. And, you know, you do have a higher aromatization with some of these. Um, let's see, you know, Tren, it has a high toxicity. Um, so it will cause toxicity in the body. So you're going to get initially, actually, what's pretty crazy about it, Tren will actually upregulate thyroid production first. And then the toxicity slowly starts to degrade it, right? It is, it is, uh, you know, it does work on glucocorticoid receptors. So it's going to prevent cortisol. It's like an anti-cortisol, anti-catabolic drug. So trend might be used, nice to use in prep at the end. But again, use too much, too toxic. Now we downregulate the thyroid. Well, the thyroid is already downregulated in prep. So you got to kind of circumvent that, right? So it can be problematic. You know, with trend, you get that harder look. You may get some sexual dysfunction with either neanderlone or, um, trend itself. It just depends on, you know, what's that person susceptible to and what's it being ran with and paired with what's the cycle design look like. Um, you know, with Neanderland, you get a harder, bigger, fuller look kind of, uh, almost puffy. Right. Um, you know, neurologically trend is 19 nor column, uh, notorious for aggression. It is neurotoxic to a certain degree. Um, there is a neurotoxicity to this drug. Um, so you do get people that are, I find people get easily addicted to this drug because of the aggression which is pretty, pretty wild. Um, <laughs> but it, it is, it's high, it's very highly addictive. It's very unpredictable in most people. Um, you know, you're never in a parasympathetic state when you're on trend. So think about that. Your body's, your body's constantly wired, even though it is an anti-cortisol drug, so to speak, you're still wired. Like you're still, you're just carrying that toxic load. So yeah, that's, that's kind of like, again, when you choose your drugs, you start designing your cycle. Well, what do I want? Start piecing them together. What's the intent behind these drugs? Okay. This is what I want. This is how I want them. But then you got to figure out how do they activate or how do they work in this specific person and express themselves? And then how does that, how does one aromatize specific compounds? Because just because a compound does aromatize or convert to estrogen or cause the creation of estrogen right in the body or estrogen serum levels to rise, just because it says that on paper, doesn't mean it happens that in that person right? I'm a person that doesn't aromatize a lot. So for me, I can go ahead and take, you know, Neanderlone, or I can take, you know, XYZ. Um, and I don't have to worry about estrogenic side effects for myself. Um, where somebody else, you know, they take a little bit of testosterone and aromatizes too much for them. So then you got to choose, you know, other compounds that don't aromatize. So when you're like, we just talked about the, the families and, um, 
you said about like, you know, when you're designing like your stack or however you're going to do your cycle, do you, what about somebody who's never like, never done a cycle, um, never done anything. Do you agree with that test has to be the first, um, in anything, or do you kind of have your own feelings about like, you know, what else you could think of potentially doing? Yeah. So let's, let's take, um, let's take the chess player again, for an example, and PED usage, which why would a chess player use PEDs? That's another, that's another question, but professional chess players do, um, you know, not only anabolic, but there's other things that they could take. Let's take a power professional power lifter or professional bodybuilder. Okay. If we were starting with all these people, would I start with all the same drugs? No, absolutely not. Right. A professional power lifter could get away with just halotestin or just super drill. Right. We, we could, we could use that. Um, chess player. I may start with, you know, a DHT that has neurological upregulation effects of reaction time, you know, or something like that, or a tennis player, right? Or a cyclist, I might just use EQ. It is a testosterone derivative, so why not? But when we're talking about the realm of bodybuilding, I think it's the smartest choice is to start with testosterone at a slightly above um, natural, quote unquote, natural level. So you got to know where the natural level is first. You know, anywhere for males is anywhere, you know, from 700, 900 optimal. And that would probably be 150 milligrams a week, somewhere in there. And then you maybe put them up to 300 milligrams a week, you know, and I would start in there. Let's see how this person reacts to this dosage of testosterone. What does it do to the body? Let's test mid-cycle. Let's see, okay, you know, um, do we have estrogenic side effects? Is 300 milligrams too much for that person? You know, so you got you to know. And then if you notice that testosterone is you know, a little bit too high and that person aromatizes, you might want to choose something that doesn't aromatize and kind of add it on top, you know, uh, as far as women, there's no reason why we can't start with testosterone and should start with testosterone. You know, this notion that we have to start with Anabar and that's the beginner drug is so far from where we need to be thinking. Um, but it's ba that's based on what has been done in the past for X amount of years. Right. Um, because that was the norm. Well, we have, we have research to show that Anavar has far more side effects to it, potential side effects than just using something like testosterone with Anavar, right? It is methylated. It will be toxic to liver, hepatotoxic, right? It will be renal toxic. Um, it will have an impact on lipids and even in women. Okay. Um, it will have an impact on sex hormones. Well, no shit. We're, we're using sex hormones, right? Um, as far as something, maybe using testosterone, well, it's not renal toxic. It's not liver toxic. Neurotoxicity is pretty low because testosterone already exists in the body. I don't think we'd even run into an issue with neurotoxicity like we would in DHT, which has neurological impacts, uh, pretty direct. Um, you know, uh, the worst thing about it, oh, you got to inject it. <laughs> so why not start with something like testosterone? You know, why not start with a little bit of elevated dosage for women? You know, a TRT dose is three to five milligrams. Why not start with eight to 10? See how you go. See how it works. Okay. We have a little bit of side effects at 10. Let's kind of bring it back to eight, you know? So yeah, I think uh, that's though, you know, testosterone is the drug to start with in bodybuilders. And then you want to get more sports specific from there. Mm -hmm. now, on average, how long would you say uh, the lengths last in a beginner versus maybe someone who's advanced? So it all depends. I, cycle length really is determined from me uh, based on biofeedback a lot of times. 
Um, there's some, I, I really won't go over like 15 weeks with most women in cycles. I think that's a long one, you know, but at the same time, most of these drugs and the dangers that come with these drugs come from dosage and duration. But if we have low dosage, longer duration, what I find is little side effects, but more muscle accrual because we use it for longer, you know? So I mean, orals eight weeks, you know, if you want to push it 10 weeks, um, injectables, you know, 12 to 15. Uh, and I'm, again, I'm not saying this is like the, the standard. What I find is if I just use a cycle for eight weeks, that muscle seems to come on and then it's not there once we get off the drugs. That's problematic. Okay. Well, then why are we running drugs in the first place when I can keep you on a little bit longer at a lower dosage? So we're less aggressive, less potential side effects. And, but I just keep you on a little bit longer. I think that's a smarter approach in most cases. You know, I'm all more about stability um, rather than causing wild swings. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as far as off-season versus contest prep um, design there, where are you look, what are you looking for when you're using PEDs in the off-season versus contest prep? And how different is that? Um, yeah, as far as duration, uh, intensity, all of that. Sure. So, I mean, our objective is to use minimum effective dosage, right? Little as possible, get the most out of it. How I design that cycle in the off season is heavily dependent upon the person and their blood work, right? You know, if I start, if I do a cycle of test and NPP and Primo, you know, I'm assuming that person doesn't aromatize very much, or maybe I have evidence that they don't aromatize too much. Uh, whereas someone else, maybe I know they aromatize. So maybe I want to use something like test, uh, Primo and Anadrol, right? In the off season, I can drive performance that way. Oh, but they got a problem with lipids and uh, RBC count. Okay. I can't use, I don't want to use Anadrol because I don't want to drive up hematocrit and RBC. Oh man, I can go back to MPP. Okay. Maybe I'll lower the dose of MPP, but I'll raise the non-aromatizing compound Primo in the drug. You know, so again, what I'm looking for is, okay, how can I get to X amount of androgens? We'll say a thousand, thousand milligrams of androgens a week, right? It, but how you build that cycle is heavily dependent upon the person response and their blood work, past blood work. So you need to be smart in your approach about how you build these. Just saying, oh, I'm going to do test DECA and DEBOL, right? The old, the old man cycle that everyone probably uses at some point, I guess. Um, you know, it's a very unintelligent approach. And contest prep, you know, again, go back to the family tree and go, well, what type of neurological peripheral tissue effects do we want? And then we start choosing our drugs. You know, same with fat burners. What fat burning pathways do you want to use and why? What benefits are there to those pathways? And, you know, then we'll start picking our drugs from there. So it's all about almost like problem solving and what to expect from each particular drug. And those expectations kind of set up the stage for, okay, here's how we, here's the drugs we want. Now, how are we going to lay it out and dose everything based on this person? Yeah. Yeah. These questions are really important because I think a lot of there's like, especially the public, there's this like false understanding that like all peds do the same thing. Like they all just grow muscle when in reality it is like a complex puzzle. It's like, you actually have to know the mechanism of actions of each drug, each class of drug and fit them together whether you're a first time beginner or you're someone that is advanced and can run like longer, heavier dosages, but still trying to combat against like the potential side effects of peds. And I think it's really important to understand that, like, it's not just simple. Of, oh, just take, you know, just start with tests and go from there. 
-hmm. it's much more complicated than that. <laughs> There's, yeah. you know, obviously their protein expression is equal amongst all these drugs, these steroids we talk about, but how they express themselves genetically in tissues is different. So, you know, when we talk about growth potential, uh, there's obviously other pieces of the equation, you know, like sleep stimulus and, and food, but yeah, they're not going to be the same and they're not gonna be the same in every individual either, just because that cycle worked great for that individual. Individual X does not mean individual Y will get the same response because genetic expression, even in something like growth hormone and the response is drastically different. So it's, it's very important to individualize your cycle design. Definitely. Um, so let's talk about orals versus injectables, um, and why people might steer away from injectables and think that orals are a safer route. Cause I, I think that people have a misconception with that, um, thinking that all orals are much better, but honestly, because <laughs> they have to pass through the liver, they're, they're not. Um, so let's talk about that, um, and maybe changing some mindsets there, um, Sure. Uh, why wouldn't some use injectables? One, scared of needles. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying, right? Um, also, you know, duration of active life in the body is different. So when you start getting into like esters, like enanthate or decanate, right, you start to run into longer esters, which could have greater uh, potential for um, side unwanted side effects. And they may last a little longer where something like an oral, I can pull it out tomorrow and within 24 to 40 hours, it's, it's gone, right? Um, orals are super convenient. Obviously, you pop a pill. The effects are much more acute, right? So if I want to drastically change my performance today, I can go pop Anadrol and tomorrow my lifts are going to be pretty outstanding, right? Now, there are some injectables that also will do that, like Trestalone. Um, obviously that will, that'll do it. Um, you know, there's test suspension. So there's, there's some injectables that are pretty acute, uh, in terms of their esters, but for the most part, like I try to stay away from orals as much as possible, whether that's in a contest prep off season, I try to stay away from it as much as I can too. There are some cases with women I'll, I'll drive, um, maybe I'm using like a testosterone base. I'll drive like some type of oral PED at the end of a cycle. If everything's going well to drive a little bit more performance and growth, because, you know, I've, you know, you, you want to titrate or escalate those dosages slowly. And I'm just escalating by adding something else on top. Um, but for orals, like that toxicity is, is huge to me. Um, I've seen it one, I've seen it cause issues in the off season with eating, right? Because the toxicity, the patotoxicity of, of something like Anadrol, um, it kills people's appetite. So now you can't eat. Well, you can't eat and these orals are causing hepatotoxicity to the point where you can no longer get food in. Why the fuck are you taking them? You need to eat above anything. I, I'd rather you eat and sleep and train and not take drugs all day long. You'll progress much faster. But you can, you can circumvent that toxicity, right? By being smarter. Um, whereas I'm not saying that injectables don't cause toxicity issues. You know, I, I'm saying that they're less like, they're not hepatotoxic in the sense that you're not going to get that blunting of, you know, other issues and, you know, methylation issues and, and liver bile uh, production issues. You know, you're probably not going to get that with injectables, obviously. Um, in contest prep, I've seen that people blunt people's progress. The toxicity becomes too high and they can no longer progress and they end up looking actually like watery and puffy. Like they've raised their dose of winstrol and you look puffy, you look watery. Why? Okay, well, kidneys are, you know, the, the, the renal, the, the, the renal system's now taking 
abuse and aldosterone is starting to take over and starting to ruin the physique. And now we're not holding water, you know, intracellularly. Everything's going extracellular because of the toxicity and the stress load, the cortisol, um, or something like more acute, like, a, you know, a hypertension issue uh, that's more like epinephrine driven driven, right? So you can run into all these issues and that's why you need to be careful about what you apply and when you apply. I'm not saying don't use orals, but I'm saying, hey, injectables are, if you're going to choose to use drugs, I would prefer you use injectables, right? Uh, in practice, safe sanitary uh, administrations. Whereas something like an oral, hey, if we're looking for immediate punch, like now, again, purpose-driven, minimum effective dosage, what's the intent? Okay, let's you apply. So you keep talking about like all of these like side effects and stuff. And I think a big common side effect is like having high estrogen and people taking AIs. We would love to know your opinion on taking and the problems with taking like AIs. Yeah. So, you know, AI abuse, that's been pretty prevalent for a long time. Um, I still see a lot of coach, a lot of bigger coaches winning titles, like serious titles, still applying AIs on a regular basis, even on the off season. Now, estrogen doesn't need to be a problem. Uh, it's vilified a lot of the time. Uh, we're always pointing the finger at estrogen, 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 but why don't we look at how you apply the fucking drugs? Because <laughs> then we won't have to look at estrogen, estrogen, estrogen. You know, we simply could choose drugs and raise our androgen total without raising estrogen. Again, so go back in that family tree, select a DHT that does not aromatize. Protein expression is equal. You're still going to grow off of it, you know? Um, but ultimately, like, it, you just need to be smarter about your cycle design. So estrogen doesn't become a problem. We don't experience estrogenic side effects. So we don't have to run an AI aromatized inhibitor, right? Like uh, an astrozole or, or, you know, uh, what else we got? Aromacin. You know, you have... You have a couple drugs there that are pretty harsh. Letrozole is another one. I mean, you know, those are very harsh and, and compounds that, well, one, and just wipe out fucking estrogen. We'll leave it at that. Okay, simplify it. Why is estrogen so important? Well, estrogen is not your enemy. Okay, it, it will help you with fat loss. It is super important when it comes to growing muscle tissue. Yes, even males, you need estrogen. Actually, there's been some practice lately of people applying exogenous estrogen to grow faster. Yeah, it's happening. Um, so that's going to show you how important it is. You know, um, it is neuroprotective. Um, it will assist with estrogen is needed for libido. Yes, guys, even for you. It's not all testosterone, testosterone, testosterone. A lot of times when estrogen is too high or too low, you will have sexual dysfunction to some degree. Um, you know, you might have water retention issues, um, and, and an AI aromatized inhibitor having low estrogen can pose a risk to cardiovascular tissue and cause damage there. So we don't want to use AIs in the sense of like, Hey, I'm using this to cover up my, my poor cycle design and high estrogen, high aromatization. That's not why I want to use an AI. If I want to use an AI or a CERM selective estrogen receptor modulator, right? Something um, like Novadex, I will use it to limit water retention in the physique temporarily. Again, I don't want to abuse. I may apply at the end of the cycle. What I use just depends. Um, there are some people out there that are abusing these things, abusing Letrol from bikini competitors on Letrozole. I'm not saying to not never use an AI because, I mean, you could apply any drug to any person in the proper format and they're not going to have an issue potentially, you know? 
Um, but the reality is we keep vilifying estrogen. It's not our enemy and it's our friend. Again, we need it to, I notice when people add in AIs, fat burning stops. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, wait, why? Okay, well, you're killing something that is extremely important to beta oxidation, right? So there's just a lot of reasons why you don't want to kill estrogen. So this is where it comes down to designing that cycle better. Right. And so <clears throat> we know that um, the only way to avoid the side effects of PEDs is to not take them. Um, but what are some of the side effects that you see in, you know, long-term sides, male, female with high estrogen, high test orals or long-term, um, that you generally see in these areas? Yeah. I mean, with women, you know, any virilization side effects always have a potential, right? Deeper. Voice. What is, what does virilization mean for the people? Uh, expression of, of male-like characteristics. Right. So women now gain male like characteristics, you know, they're not, I'm not saying they're becoming men, but that, you know, we might see a hardened jawline. We might see a deepened voice. Uh, we see hair growth on the face, maybe hair loss up top, uh, clitoral enlargement or swelling. A lot of times it's really just swelling while in the cycle, then it goes away. Um, sometimes it can stay, you know, you might want to take measurements. Um, Let's see, uh, there can be reproductive issues if these drugs are, are abused for sure, right? Um, we can see amenorrhea from the use of anabolic compounds for sure. Um, we may see a decrease in bone density from the use and abuse of some of these drugs. Uh, we can see, uh, let's see, uh, the reduction of breast tissue in women uh, and on men, the flip side, you have breast tissue in the form of gynecomastia, right? Um, so with men, you also get in men and women, you get acne, hair loss, hair growth, right? Um, you know, with males, you get testes shrinking, uh, you know, spermogenesis is decreased. So, you know, you're not as fertile. You may actually not be fertile at all. <laughs> um, you know, obviously same on, uh, with women, you could have fertility issues. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a fucking good list. Um, you can cause issues with toxicity to the brain, to vital organs. Um, so yeah, there's a good list. Yeah, for Definitely. sure. For sure. Especially <laughs> like you were mentioning earlier, the like elevated blood pressure and stuff, but too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely run into some type of metabolic syndrome. I mean, if you're using the wrong drugs and your lifestyle habits are poor, yeah, you could definitely run into metabolic syndrome. Um, or hypothyroidism, mm -hmm. you know, that's, or cardiovascular disease or events, like those are definitely a, a, a very real risk here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that actually brings up a good point. Like what are some best practices to take into consideration? Like when it comes to health markers and biofeedback markers that you should be optimizing as far as like supplementation wise, or like I said, even biofeedback markers to check while running a cycle. Yeah. You know, I always say that there's probably a few base supplements that I would take, uh, you know, omega threes with good EPA, DHEA values that I think that's important. Those omega threes are, are super important in terms of like just cardiovascular protectives, uh, protective and also like reducing inflammation because inflammation, you know, that's like measure a CRP value, C reactive protein value. Like that's going to be your determinant factor of inflammation in the body. And so I'd be checking that on blood work for sure. Um, and in terms of blood work, you know, I'm always checking the lipid panels, um, looking at triglycerides, you know, SDL, DL, HDL, um, you know, I want to also 
look at kidneys, liver, uh, especially for running orals, we want to make sure that those enzymes aren't elevated or we're not decreasing our EGFR, our kidney infiltration rate, you know, because that can start to degrade over time. We do need to address that. Um, want to make sure that obviously cortisol, you know, is staying low. We're not impacting, you know, the thyroid. Um, uh, there's probably one more I'm forgetting here. Anyways, um, as far as like other supplements, though, that I think are super valuable, like, I really, I, I mean, I was giving a shout out to Ben is Morpho Prime, right? Organ support, like CoQ Enzyme, Arjuna, right? It has uh, citric bergamot in there. I mean, it's packed, packed with things that are going to help you um, stay a healthier, a little bit healthier on cycle. I think all my enhanced athletes should be on Morpho Prime for sure. Um, and again, Morpho Mega, right? Um, you may want to take like a lipid supplement or a lipid supporting supplement. I know they have them by revive. They have like revive lipid, right. Which is fine. Or prostate. If you have an issue with uh, prostate, um, a genetic history of prostate, um, there is some argumentation out there that, that, uh, THDs don't impact prostate. I agree to disagree. I mean, we also have literature that supports it. So, you know, um, you know, but again, these really, th it comes down to this, like, are we keeping stress low? Are we eating healthy? That's really important. So we're maintaining insulin sensitivity. We have good practice there because that's crucial. Um, making sure we're covering all basic supplements. So lipid, lipids, um, any type of micronutrients or minerals, like a good multivitamin, like morpho multi supported, because since we're supercharging our body, it's supercharging its way through burning through vitamins and minerals that are very vital and important. So you need to replace those, you know, and, and there's certain drugs that, that, um, you know, deplete certain things, uh, certain vitamins and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I know that's kind of all over the place, but. No, that, no, that was great. definitely a good, yeah. a good answer. Um, I know there's at least a year or two ago, there was this like common misconception that, you know, women don't need to PCT, but obviously that's <laughs> false as fuck. So yeah. who should PCT and what are some things that you like to add in post cycle to a client's protocol? Sure. You know, with PCT, it's like, are you going to PCT or are you just going to cruise? Uh, and a true cruise would be going to TRT, right? Or HRT. Um, in the case of like IFBB pros of people that are going to do this forever and they make a living off this, they may want to consider TRT and HRT for the rest of their lives. It's probably going to be best for them. I don't like taking many bodybuilders off of drugs completely. I think it comes, low T has its own risks, its own side effects its own health issues. So don't tell me getting off cycle is fantastic. And that's the healthiest approach. Probably not actually the healthiest approach. If you want to be the safest and do this for a long time, you know, after your cycle, come down to TRT dosage, 150 milligrams a week, get your blood work done, you know, check it, make sure that is a TRT dosage for you. You're like none of this, you know, bullshit or cruising at 300 or adding in Primo or adding in, you know, trend ACE at, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, that's not, no true cruise, just test, come down, take a break. Um, now for people that, you know, want to come off, um, you know, especially like women and we're not going to run, we're not going to go to TRT and we are worried about having kids or we're done we want to get healthy again, you know, in this case, I may want to support with a natural testosterone booster, like Morpho test. I may also want to support with Morphodite, right. To support female hormone production. Um, 
that's really going to help me or help women in general kind of jumpstart and get back in the game in terms of their um, hormone uh, production. Now, as far as males, you know, it can be a little bit more complicated at times. Um, you know, for this, it's like, okay, we got to get back natural testosterone production. You could take morpho tests in this scenario. You know, we could jumpstart with Clomid, uh, HCG, HMG, um, even with women, you could, you could use, you know, Clomid. Um, that's not a problem as well, you know? So yeah, it just depends on kind of who needs to come off and why do you need to come off? I'll be quite honest, like any male over 30, if you're done having kids, I don't see why you would not use TRT. It, do, it doesn't make sense to me because a lot of, well, obviously, you know, we look at males now and they, on average, they have the lowest testosterone ever, level ever in recorded history because of poor behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. So if that's happening naturally in most males, like why wouldn't you use TRT and get the benefits of, of having a healthy, normal testosterone level, which will stop the, you know, the muscle shedding process, let's call it, you know, post 40 or 50 years old, which starts happening. Muscles start degrading over time. Well, having testosterone to your team might be a little bit more protective of that tissue, obviously. So I think um, in the case of like, you know, men and women, TRT and HRT is a great option for them. You know, if, if their doctors obviously prescribe it and so on and so forth. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for coming on today. We were so happy to have you. Um, we talked about some really crazy, like I know the listeners are going to really love this. So um, really happy to have had you on. Is there anything like you want to plug before we adjourn and say peace? Besides um, your, I mean, everyone knows you do coaching. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. you want to go mean, be coached by him or me, go to yeah. Common <laughs> Train. <laughs> Fuck you, Ash. <laughs> so just kidding, Ashley. I'm sorry. Hey, man. I mean, we got, a, we got a ton of coaches at Tomatic Train, and they're all wonderful people. And I'm really happy of what and proud of what I built here. I think um, just people support, even if you don't, you know, coach under us or work with us. Um, we have so many people supporting us from other teams, and like it honestly makes my heart happy. And that's all I could ever ask for is people supporting us because I put my heart and soul for so many years into this and to see it come to fruition of what it is now. Man, I just couldn't be more thankful. So, I mean, thanks for having me on. Thanks for uh, repping TT because you guys do it well for me. Um, it means a lot, and I appreciate y'all having me on. But other than that, I don't got anything else to plug, no supplements, no all that. I'm just going to keep it as is. Yeah. He does have a, a podcast, too. It's called I The do. Yes. Um, It was on a lot of your to our listeners' top mm -hmm. two, top few Um so that's cool to see that we're kind of like up there with, yeah. um, it's pretty cool. Keep, keep recording. You know, I, I've, we've made 32 episodes so far and we've only been around for eight months and it was pretty cool to see like how many people listen to us on a regular basis, which I did not expect. I mean, when I started, it's like, I don't know who's going to fuck's going to listen to me. Right. So it was pretty cool to <laughs> see. I mean, being an introvert, it was like, I don't even know how I'm going to, vocalize what I have to say or organize my thoughts. And now we're doing it without, without notes, you know, we're just going on there. We're just talking about shit and we're having a good time, you know, so it's been fun. Podcasts are fun. They are. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's all we got. All right. Well, we will see you or talk to you all. What next week? We don't know yeah. what we're talking about, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> all Peace. right. Peace. <laughs>